Oh God, we do come to you leaning on your arms this morning. And God, I am leaning on you as I preach this word. There we go. Now I'm preaching the word. Lord, I am leaning on you and ask that you would speak through me and open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear what, you, what it is you have to say. Speak, O oh Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing our sermon series called Every, Values That Change Everything. Friends, these are the fundamentals. These are the things that are so important to the church that we believe they should impact every single one of you in everything that we do as a church. And as we've gone along in this series, my hope is that you've been nodding along and saying, yes, this is important. This is a value. This is something that is true about who we are. And I want to recap because I want to get these things in the center of our minds and our hearts. So we started with everything centered on God's word. We believe that God's word is true and transformational. Then we talked about every member a missionary. We're in the community and for the community. Then every meeting, a prayer meeting. That's how we consciously depend upon the Holy Spirit. Then every member and minister, we believe we're all on staff here, so to speak. God's given us all a ministry, all a role. And then last week, we talked about every nation hearing the gospel. We believe, though, even though we're a local church, that we need to have a global heart for God's global mission and what he's doing around the world. And today, we're talking about the value, everyone walking with Jesus. Everyone walking with Jesus. Our desire is that every single one of you would be on a life-transforming walk with Jesus Christ. And that is the heart of the matter. That is the heart of the Christian faith, that we would love Jesus more than anything else. You know, one of the things that Laura and I, my wife, like to do is uh, hiking, which is really just a much cooler way of saying that we like to walk in cool places. <laughs> we've gone on many walks. We like to, we've gone to many national parks. We love walking in Yosemite in California, Yellowstone amongst the buffalo, and we love the Red Rock and Zion and Bryce, and we've been privileged to walk in some of the most beautiful places that God has created uh, in this country. It's been amazing. But even more than the nature, even more than the great things that we saw, what was so amazing about the walks were how they transformed our lives. When you have so much time with somebody you love, you just have the time to process life, reflect on what's been going on, what's really in the, the depth of my heart with one another. And we get to share our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. And then we also spend time dreaming about the future. What goals do we have? What is our family going to look like? What's ministry going to look like? And I have to tell you, I believe that the course of our life was honestly transformed by walking together. And I believe the same can be true with you and Jesus. Walking with Jesus Christ will transform your life more than anything else. It will set the course. It will set the direction for your life starting now and into eternity. So it's absolutely critical that we, that we understand what it means to walk with Jesus Christ. And I, I really believe it's God's wisdom that our life with him is described as this walk. The scriptures use this term. It's a warm, it's a relational a term that we have with God. We were always meant to walk with him. In fact, it even describes the Garden of Eden where God is walking in the cool of the day, looking for Adam and Eve, but where are they? They're hiding. Isn't that true of us? God wants to walk with us, but somehow we feel this barrier. We feel this disconnect. So how can we bridge that gap so that we walk in close companionship with Jesus? How can we walk more closely with our Lord? Well, I invite you to turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is our text we're looking at this morning. 
And the person who wrote this, his name is John. He was one of Jesus' apostles. And he was somebody who literally walked with Jesus. He walked with him. In fact, he starts out this letter. You can look at the beginning. He says, that's which we have seen, that which we have heard, that's which we have looked at with our own eyes. John was there. He walked with Jesus. He saw it. And he is reporting to us what it means to walk with Jesus. And he is writing to Christians who needed to be reminded about what this walk requires. So starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Let's pause there. This morning I want to give you a few points on what it means for us to walk with Jesus. And number one is this. Number one, walking with Jesus requires walking away from sin. Walking with Jesus requires walking away from sin. And again, I love this metaphor of walking. It's such a rich, it's such a warm metaphor, thinking about our relationship to Jesus. Uh, And I love that. But we cannot therefore conclude that we can just have Jesus on our own terms. That he's somehow just our pal or our buddy, and we can just somehow just walk with him and not have any change. You see, John reminds the church, God is light. See, in the biblical world, as much as it is in our world is, is true is all, also, light represents good, darkness represents evil. And John is saying God is light. He is literally light. He is the source. He is the ground of all that is good, all that is righteous, all that is pure, all that is holy. He is that. And then if you were confused at all, John wants to be absolutely clear. He even gives the negative statement. God is light. But then he says, in him there is no darkness at all. You think John is trying to get something across, right? He backs it up. There's not an ounce of sin, evil, or darkness about God. He is perfectly good and righteous and holy. Evidently, there were people in the church who were claiming to walk with Jesus, yet continued to live unrepentantly in sin. This is what he says in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. There were people who were saying, oh, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus, I walk with Jesus, but they continued to walk in sin. Now, walk means a way of life. It's a way of living. It is a habit. It is a regular disposition. So when he says you're walking in darkness, he doesn't mean just we're messing up occasionally here and there. Because John is going to go on to say that we need to confess our sins, and God will forgive us of of those things. But he is saying those who make sin their regular habit, who walk in it, who allow it a place in their life, they are lying and they are really not having fellowship with God. And John says when Christians do this, they're lying, they don't, they don't live out the truth. Now at this time, there seems to be this heresy that's arising in the church called Gnosticism. And it's the idea that what, what we do in life doesn't really matter as long as we have a spiritual connection with God. As long as I have a spiritual connection with God, what I do on earth doesn't really matter. In fact, we'll, we'll hear from Clement of Alexandria, one of the early church fathers around 150 A.D., he says there's a, there's a teaching go on, going on in the churches that says it doesn't really matter how we live. It doesn't really matter how we behave as long as there's a spiritual connection with God, as long as we really know God. So this is something the early Christians had to deal with immediately. And the consistent theme of the New Testament is that faith in Jesus Christ means obedience to God's commands. It means obedience to His Word. 
You see, God's love for us, God's grace for us in Jesus Christ, they're not justifications for living as we please. See, walking with the one who is light, who is light itself, requires totally walking away from the darkness. And I'll give you a sampling of verses that just hit on this theme. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Colossians 1.13, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. The Apostle Peter, God called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And then Paul concludes, Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Stop dabbling in the deeds of darkness, but walk in the light. Brothers and sisters, we cannot hold hands with Jesus on one hand and hold hands with sin on the other. If you desire to walk with Jesus Christ, you must say goodbye to sin and walk with your Lord. That is what walking with Him requires. And Paul was also clear about this in Galatians 5. He says this in Galatians 5, The acts of the flesh, the darkness, you might say, are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul goes on to say right there, this is where he brings in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, gentleness faithfulness, self-control. We like that part, right? But then he go, concludes after that, he says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've killed it off. They've put it away. Those who belong to him have put it away. Friends, this morning, I want you to be free. I want you to be free from the sin that is keeping you in bondage. To have a joyful walk with Jesus. And some of you, you're so burdened right now because your walk is divided. Your walk is divided. You're trying to walk with Christ, yet hold on to some type of sin in, the, in your other hand. You're trying to walk with Jesus, but also walk in sexual morality. What you look at on the internet at night that you're not supposed to is keeping you in bondage. Or maybe for you, you're walking in selfish ambition. You're living more for your career, for your bank account than you are for Christ. Or maybe for you, you're in bondage to envy. You can't stop comparing yourself to others and wishing your life was different. Or maybe you're walking in dissension and discord and contempt for other people. And the Lord is saying, you can be free. You can drop those things at the foot of the cross because we can't hold on to those burdens. We can't hold on to that darkness and expect to walk with Jesus. So friends, be free. Be free of those things. How long will you allow a place for sin in your life? Are you surrendered to Jesus fully or not? This isn't about perfection. It's about your intention. Do you intend to live for Jesus with all you have or not? That is what Jesus is asking of us. Do you intend to walk fully with him and walk away from sin forever? That's the kind of commitment Jesus is looking for. And we must decide to do this. And of course, we're going to mess up. But that, John says we confess our sins. And then we get right back up and keep going. Don't let Satan get a foothold in your life. I like what Hebrews 12 says, let us throw off everything, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Gotta throw it off. Walking with Jesus requires walking away from sin. So be free this morning. Number two, walking with Jesus leads to walking with other disciples. Walking with Jesus leads 
to walking with other disciples. Now, I think this point is surprising because John is talking about those who claim the name of Christ, those who claim to have fellowship with God, yet are walking in the darkness. And then he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, you would expect John to say, well, then you truly have fellowship with God. You truly have fellowship with Jesus. But that's not what he says, although that is true. John gives us another interesting conclusion. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I'm going to bust out this also. Sometimes adults need visuals too. So I'm going to give you all a visual. This is an illustration I often use uh, in premarital counseling. Draw a triangle here. We'll put Jesus at the top. And there's the bride and the groom-to-be. And I tell them, if you want to have united marriage, you need to be pursuing Jesus. Because when the one is pursuing Jesus, when you're pursuing a closer walk with Jesus, what's going to happen? You're inevitably going to be closer to one another. The closer you walk with Christ, the closer your marriage is going to be. The closer we walk in hand with the Lord, the closer we're going to be united in fellowship. And the same is true with us in the church. The closer that all, that all of us are pursuing this walk with Jesus Christ, the more fellowship we are going to have with one another. The richer the unity, the richer the love, the richer the fellowship of believers will be when we're pursuing getting closer to Jesus. So that's, that is a picture of what we have. When we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's a great quote from William Barclay that says this, True religion is the means by which every day we come closer to one another and closer to God. It produces fellowship with God and fellowship with other people. And we can never have the one without the other. They go hand in hand. It's the triangle. Pursuing getting closer to Jesus. So your walk with Jesus is never one that is simply just alone. Your walk with Him will lead you to walk with others. Now, if your walk with Jesus, if it's primarily private, if you think of it as just a you and Jesus thing, then you haven't realized that Jesus intends to take you on a group hike. He intends to take you with a group of people. You see, the problem is in our culture, we have so privatized, we have so individualized our faith journey that we primarily conceive of life in Christ as an individual pursuit. But Jesus and the apostles, they could never have envisioned such a thing. Because to walk with Jesus is always to walk with others. And I love how the, the, the forebears of this movement we find ourselves in, the covenant church, the early covenant people, They were shaped by the pietist movement, which said that knowledge of Christianity is not enough. It has to be lived. Or you might say, it has to be walked. See, you can go through all the motions, but not really live it. And they knew that. And so this is why the early covenant Christians, they asked each other, how goes your walk? How is your walk with the Lord going? And I think it's fascinating. At the heart of this movement are questions. Isn't that interesting? What other denomination can say that, not not that we're better than anybody else, but it's just interesting, that questions are at the heart of this. Because questions build relationship. Questions build connection. And walking with Jesus will lead you to asking questions of your brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to know how their walk with Jesus is going and how it might help our walk as well. If you'll indulge me, 
and another running illustration I've been giving you. Ever since the marathon, I feel like I've been giving you way too many of these. But if you'll indulge me this morning, let me give you another one. When I was running for, training for the marathon, I joined several Facebook groups of other people who were training with Team World Vision to run the marathon. And it's natural. This type of questions is natural. People are just posting questions all the time. What kind of shoes are you going to wear? Uh, what gels or Gatorade or what kind of fuel will you use during the race? Or how do you recover after a long run? How do you incorporate strength training? And then people will post articles and blogs and share with each other. There's this natural process where we're all moving towards the same goal, and we naturally ask each other questions. How's it going? How's your training going? How are you recovering from injury? You see, when you're all in a community moving towards the same goal, this will naturally happen. And I believe the application to the Christian life is obvious. We all have the same goal, knowing Jesus Christ better and walking with Him more closely. And because of that, we will inevitably walk with each other, help each other, ask each other questions, hold each other accountable, pray for each other, serve each other, reconcile with each other, confess our sins to each other, and walk alongside one another through all, all the seasons of life. Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you love to be part of a community like that? That's what we need for a life-transforming walk with Jesus. Walking with Jesus will lead you to walk with other disciples. Number three, walking with Jesus means walking in His steps. Walking with Jesus means walking in His steps. So not only does John say that those who walk with Jesus must walk away from sin entirely, positively he says they must walk in the steps of Jesus Christ. And we must do what he commands us to do. So in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, This is how we know that we know him. Do you want to be sure that you are a follower of Jesus? How do you know? If we keep his commands. He's our model. He's our master. He's our teacher. He's our Lord. Not just Savior, he's Lord. We do what he says. And then he goes on to say, This is how we know we are in him. Verse 6, The one who says he remains in him should live just as he lived, but actually in the Greek, it's should walk just as he walked. It's a walking in his steps. In 1896, Pastor Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. It's a fictional story in which a pastor challenges the congregation that before they do anything, before they make any decision, that they would ask themselves, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And about 100 years later, Evangelical Christians went through a craze where we wore those bracelets. How many of you had the WWJD bracelet? Come on, own up to it. I had one. I, it was great. It was a, it's a great question. And the, the impetus for that question comes from this text. If we want to follow Jesus Christ, if we say we follow Jesus Christ, well, we would live as he would live. We would do as he would do if he were us. And I think this assumes a couple things. This assumes that the congregation knew intimately the kinds of things Jesus said and did. Because if you're going to challenge people to walk as Jesus walked, you need to know who Jesus was. So he assumed that they knew that, that they were very, had very intimate knowledge of that. And so in the same way, if we're going to walk in Jesus' steps, we need to become so familiar with who Jesus was and the things he said. Some of you may be familiar with method acting. This is where you, you actually try to become like the person, the actor is trying to become like the person they're playing. And they... My gosh, when you read some of the things they do, they just absorb the life of this person. They study everything they can, the history of who this person was, and they try to act like that person even when they're not uh, performing, even when they're not being filmed. 
because they want to become just like that person. Gosh, if people can do that just for acting, why can't we do the same with following Jesus? Becoming so familiar, learning so much about Jesus that we would just naturally do what he would do. And as we've been reading in our Bible reading, I've honestly still been shocked. I've been following Jesus for a while, and I'm still shocked at some of the things Jesus says and does in the Gospels. Jesus was a radical. He was radical in the kinds of things he did. One thing that challenged me this week when our reading was Mark 8. And Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Gosh, I think that's radical. I mean, if you're just trying to build a following, if, if Jesus was only concerned about numbers, this is not the kind of thing you would say. This is going to drive some people away. He says, no, I, I'm demanding everything. You want to deny, deny yourself and follow me if you want to come after me. Friends, what is the vision for your life? What's the vision for your life? What are you aiming at with your life? What are you living for? Who are you trying to be with your life? I believe every Christian's greatest ambition should be to know and become like Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, a little Christ. Many of you know that I'm a great uh, fan of NBA basketball. And one of the legends of my childhood, Kobe Bryant, recently passed away. And it, w- it, was, it was tragic. It was absolutely, I was completely in shock when I got that news. Um, and I still can't believe it. I've been processing it the past couple weeks, looking at videos and reading things about him. And, um, but for Kobe, if you know Kobe, his, his greatest ambition in life was to be just like Mike. That was his, Michael Jordan. That was his hero. He wanted to be just like Michael. And I, I want to play a video for you. And it's, in the video, you're going to see some clips of things that Michael did, and then you're going to see some things that Kobe did. Now, filming in the 90s is a little bit more grainy, so just bear with the video. Uh, we've improved a little bit in 15, 20 years. But look at this video about Michael and Kobe Bryant. They are just a standard that's above in all cases. If you electronically switched the uniforms and played know. that at full speed, you would not have been able to tell who was who. This man, when you think about Michael Jordan, the closest to get to Michael has been Kobe Bryant. Now we just agree that these guys are like phenomenal players and let's just move on. We gotta we gotta do the one-on-one battle, huh? We gotta do it.
not a powerful video. Yeah. It's amazing. The identical plays between the two of them. I think Kobe achieved his goal. <laughs> he wanted to be like Mike. He became like Mike. And if Kobe would spend his whole life to become like Mike, Michael Jordan for a sport he loved, how much more should we be willing to become like our Lord and Savior in our lives? How much more should we be willing to know, to walk and become like Jesus and to make that the greatest vision for your life? But the problem is, you have to believe that you can actually make progress towards this. Kobe believed above all else that yes, he was going to become the next Michael Jordan. He believed it. And some of you say, well, yeah, I know I need to be like Jesus, but I can never become like Jesus. Well, we may never reach to be exactly like Jesus. We can't reach the level of perfection that Jesus did. But friends, Jesus believes in us. He left this movement to us that we would walk in his steps. And he believes that you can make progress in your Christian life and become more, more like him. And actually, this, this video has been haunting me the last several days because I've been thinking about what if I took clips of Jesus' life and clips of my life? Could there be any times where there's a few identical plays? What about the clip of Jesus washing his disciples' feet? Is there a clip of me doing something similar? What if there's a clip of Jesus caring for the most vulnerable among us and a clip of you caring for somebody else? Could you put some plays of your life and align them in Jesus and see some similarities? Could you make Jesus the vision for your life? That's the vision. How do we do it? How do we walk with Jesus? Well, at the risk of being corny, I want to give you an acronym. That's uh, with the word walk. The W stands for worship. We worship. And by worship, I mean a lifestyle. A lifestyle that is, that is in and with Christ. This will involve corporate worship, yes, but also the spiritual disciplines of inhaling the word and, and exhaling prayer and spending time with the Lord. Maybe for you, it's, maybe you need a journal or to listen to scripture or to have worship music in your car, but finding a way to have a relational, warm walk with Christ. The A stands for authentic relationships. How do we have authentic relationships? Not just relationship, but some authenticity to it as well. And I'm going to riff off the two covenant questions and the one that I suggested we added a couple weeks ago in our sermon on prayer. So here are three questions that I think should be part of our normal vocabulary as we walk with others. Number one, what are you learning in Scripture lately? We're assuming that we're in the Word together, that we're reading the Word together. So let's ask each other, what are you learning in Scripture lately? What's God teaching you lately? Number two, how's your walk with Jesus going? And then you might say, oh, good, or maybe it's bad, or maybe it's, you know, well, tell me more. Tell me more about your walk. And number three, how can we be praying for each other? and sharing vulnerably, vulnerably about what, God, what, God, uh, what you want God to do in your life and what you're struggling with. So we want it to be normal and natural for us to talk about Scripture, to talk about our walks with Jesus, and to share our prayer requests with each other. Then we can build some authenticity in our relationships. The L stands for listening to the Spirit. One of the covenant affirmations is we consciously depend upon the Holy Spirit. So actually being aware that the Holy Spirit is our guide, our counselor, the one who's supposed to lead us into all truth, and so to have some awareness that, oh, I, I feel like I'm, the Lord might be prompting me to do something or to speak to this person, to be aware of how God might be speaking through the word, through circumstances, through people. And then finally, the K stands for keeping God's commands. This is what we talked about in this, in this scripture this morning. The obedience to Christ. Not delaying obedience, but walking in God's commands. Doing what he calls us to do. And one of the covenant materials on this topic 
came across this phrase that I love. It says, it's always a relationship, never a formula, always a journey, never a destination, always intentional, never accidental. It's a journey, it's a relationship, but you won't get there by accident. You have to be intentional about your walk with Jesus Christ. And one more quote that I really think is valuable for this topic is a quote from D.L. Moody. He said, a rule I have had for years is to treat the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal friend. He is not a creed, a mere doctrine, but it is he himself we have. We have a relationship with Jesus, a walk with Jesus. And finally, in closing this morning, I want to give you a bonus point. No, number four, we walk with Jesus because he is our first love. We walk with Jesus because he is our first love. In fact, I want to invite Matthias up. We're going to have some time for reflection in a moment. I was struck this week by uh, what Jesus says to the church in Ephesians, uh, or to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. And Jesus basically says to the church, I've, I've, I've seen how hard you've been working. I've seen your endurance and hardship, your endurance and suffering and persecution. Uh, you haven't grown weary, and you've held on to the truth in spite of the false teaching around you, in spite of everything else. You've been hanging on. But then he's, and I appreciate that, but he says, I have this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You've forsaken the love you had at first. You see, friends, God remembers those times when we loved him and followed him most closely. And I believe he looks on those times with fondness because God enjoys us. God loves us. God wants to be close to us. And so those seasons of life where, where we desired him the most, God looks on with fondness. And he calls back to us to remember those times. Remember that time. Maybe for you it was the hour you first believed. Or maybe it was just a different season of life and now you find yourself in a different season, but you find yourself maybe at a distance from God. For whatever reason, th other things have come in, other things have distracted. But remember those times when you were so excited to read the Word, to be with other believers, to serve, to sing to God. And God wants us to, to recollect those times and to bring that spirit, to bring that heart, to bring the things that we did at first into the present so that we can have the power to sustain us in whatever season of life we find ourselves in now. Remember your first love. Remember your first love. Other things will come in and compete. Other things will choke out the seed. But nothing is more important than our walk with Jesus. So this morning, friends, I want to ask you a question that I want you to really reflect on seriously. How goes your walk with Jesus? How's your walk with the Lord? Are you as close as you want to be? Maybe for you it's, it's a season of excitement. That's great. Keep going. Maybe for you there's, there's been some distance for some time. Maybe for you you've been going through the motions for a while and the Lord is calling you back. Come back to your first love. Come back to me. Return to me. So I'm going to give you time of reflection if you guys could play and just reflect on that question. Some of you, you may need, you may need to come to the front. And I, I almost never do this in the church, ever. But I just feel led. In a, some of you need to make a, a, a public declaration today that you want to come forth and recommit yourselves to walking with Jesus. And if you don't need it, that's fine. You can just have some reflection with you and the Lord. But some of you may need to come up and say, I need some prayer. I need some help with this. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be over here in the front row and you can come up and pray with me. And, uh, or if not, just reflect on that question. How is your walk with the Lord? And reach out to the Lord Jesus now.